confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight, and my wife says, how did it go tonight, Drew? And you're like, one of them thought I was in college. <laughs> and some other things happened that were pretty awesome. But uh, I'm excited to be here. It's a little surreal. Uh, the last time I was your age, and in Washington and Lee, I got stuck out in the county at a concert that the college was putting on, and I had to hitchhike back with my friend Carter um, with a townie in the town because we couldn't get back in. And now I am a townie. <laughs> and my friend Carter's dad is a member of the session of the church that I serve, so it's crazy, but I am thrilled to be here. Thank you, Willis, for having me. Uh, but unfortunately, despite my incredibly youthful looks, I am very old. I am uh, far removed from college. This is almost past my bedtime. And uh, this is my first time ever at a RUF anything. I went to Davidson College. RUF was not a thing when I was there. And so first I was all excited to come and talk to you. And then I got super nervous because I was like, what am I going to say to these guys? I don't know them that well. They don't know me. And then I realized, oh my gosh. I actually know why every single one of you is here. Actually, no. And I, what's even more amazing is every one of you is here for the same reason. Do you want to know what it is? Anyone want to guess? You want to guess? No? All right, you ready? Puberty. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Puberty. It's a funny word. Do you want to say it with me? I was, I was, I was debating whether to do this when I figured out it was outside. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a weird. But I think we should do it. I think we, on the count of three, let's just say it, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Yeah. All right, we bonded. it. Okay, we are good now. It's happening. I feel really good, but I'm telling you, that is why you are here. I know it sounds weird. Trust me, it would have been shocking to me if I heard it because I didn't go through puberty until I was like 27. Still, I promise you the reason that this is true, it isn't weird. Well, it is weird, but it's also biblical, all right? It actually is how God designed things. I'm sure you have read the story before. At the beginning of uh, Genesis, you know, God makes the world. He says, let there be light, and, and there's light. And, and God makes humans in God's image and, and tells them to tend a garden and name animals and all this stuff. It's a familiar story. And then God has this odd line where he says that when people are of a certain age... They will leave their parents and find a new identity. Literally, God says, I didn't design people to get waited on by their parents forever. At some point, a natural urge will push you out of your house that you grew up in. And surely some of you have had those feelings as you were finishing high school and headed up here, and my guess is not many of you are pursuing this fine 
Washington and Lee diploma just so you have something nice to hang in your childhood bedroom when you move back in <laughs> after graduation. <laughs> no. It's so natural and obvious that you would want to move out and move on that it's easy to forget that you weren't always like that. Back when you were six years old, things were different. You weren't sitting around the house angry and full of teen angst. No. When you were six, you were content to eat Play-Doh and hit sticks against the trees and go on errands with your mom. You, your needs were taken care of and you liked it. You liked it. Which means that if nothing changed, we'd stay like that forever. We'd be 42 years old, still living with our parents, asking them to cut our crusts off and yelling at our moms from the basement to bring us meatloaf and things like that. <laughs> and so thankfully, when God created this place, he threw in some puberty to give us a little motivation. God sends that bad boy along and those hormones, they start flowing and all of a sudden, you're not comfortable with your needs being met anymore. You don't like having to rely on your parents for everything. You're ready to do your own thing. And a lot of times you articulate that in some really weird ways. Some solid teen angst if you were like me. But you want to find your own identity. You might not have noticed this. It might have just felt like you wanted a boyfriend or a girlfriend or like armpit hair or something like that. But what puberty does is it makes you want to care about things other than yourself for the first time. To actually start to think that you might not be the center of the universe. And what I'm talking about is, is far bigger than a growth spurt, and it lasts longer than some awkward stage in middle school. It is what life is until we find who we truly are. Until we allow the gospel to shape our understanding of life and have it point all of that energy and think about the energy that you have, which sometimes feels like anxiety or stress, but it is this energy until you allow the gospel to shape that energy and passion into a faithful direction. Basically, you are here because you want purpose. You want to be a part of something. Or, as I like to put it, because you've gone through puberty. And our scripture tonight is this one, the parable of the prodigal son, the two sons. It's a famous one because it so clearly and fully articulates the gospel. It's an onion with this infinite number of layers, but for the next few minutes, I want to peel back just one of those layers tonight, maybe one that you haven't thought of or heard about, but it's the one that I think helps us see the temptations we face when the invitation of the gospel, when it begins to stir us up, when it begins to turn us outward, how so often we go astray. And so I want to listen for God's word from the gospel of Luke. It's a long one, but it's a good one. So we're going to pick up here in uh, verse 11. Let's listen for God's word for each of us tonight. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. 
And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother's come, he replied. And your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, and yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now is found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, in these two brothers, we see the two predominant ways of dealing with puberty. Or, as we will relabel it from here on out so we don't get phone calls from people walking by, uh, two, these are the two default ways of dealing with our God-given desire for call and purpose in our life. You might put it like this. There's the younger son who seeks it by doing his own thing. And there's the older son who seeks it by doing exactly what is expected of him. There's the younger son who thinks he can manufacture his own worth. And there's the older son who thinks he can prove his own worth. There's the younger son who lives by being disconnected with God. And there's the older son who lives in such a way where he thinks he can actually be in control of God. When I was in college, when I was a senior in college, 
Facebook came out. Have you ever heard of Facebook? It's this thing grandmothers use now. Uh, that's kind of a funny joke. No, nothing is funny. <laughs> if I had a TikTok joke, I would do it, but I don't know what TikTok is, so I can't. So I'm stuck with Facebook. Anyway, when you got it, and everyone got it, it was very hip. Uh, you could put on there, uh, like, what's your, in your profile, what your religion was. And I remember this one acquaintance, he put religious views, and it really sums up to me the, the way in which the younger son acts, and it was this. My religious views, it was, if it feels good, do it. That's the younger son. It's all of a sudden you got this freedom, this desire to be something different, and your religious view, your way of acting, your habits is, if it feels good, I'm going to do it. And while I never saw this in anyone's Facebook profile, I was to use the same language, the religious view of the older son is that if it will lead to people thinking I'm good, then I'll do it. That's the older son. And I want to be clear, though, that this isn't like just cheeky exegesis. I'm not trying to manipulate God's word, and nor am I trying to make light of these two different ways, because both of these ways are disordered ways of living. We're talking about sin, and sin has real consequences, and so I think it's important to say that in the real world, outside of college, when you start to be actually become an adult, whether you actually are mature or not, when you are the younger son, it's more than some drift into immoral living. It's more than a season of making bad choices. In the real world, what the younger son looks like isn't crazy college stories that you eventually grow out of. No, when you got this kind of mentality, it is a life. And I have seen it and occasionally lived it. A life enslaved to your impulses. It's a life defined by a fear of boredom. And most people who have practiced this way of living aren't lucky enough to hit rock bottom like the guy in our scripture. Most of them instead settle for lonely surface level living. That is a reality for many people in life. And acting like the older son, it's not just some form of legalism that you might have in mind. We often assume this is the person who, oh, who goes to church because they should and prays because they should and just does all the right things because they should. And of course, you could be that kind of person. But I also think it's important to know that in this parable, there is nothing religious about the older son. Nothing. Doesn't do one religious thing. No, so often I see the older son mentality not via judgmental Christians who check all the right boxes, but in people who pursued life in the way they were supposed to. They went to the good college because they were supposed to. They focused on finding the most lucrative job because that's what you do. They got married because that was the next step. And then they had kids because you do that too. And then you work your way up the career ladder. And I came from Atlanta up to Lexington and most of the people I pastored were highly successful, wealthy, people, and I cannot tell you how many coffees I had with 40-something people 
who have done and accomplished all the good things. And then they look around and they say, wait, I still have half a life to live and I climb the mountain that it was supposed to take a lifetime. I caught the car. And yet all I feel is anxious and insecure. All I feel is like a middle school boy who happens to have a lot of money and the life that everyone is supposed to want. What's wrong? What's wrong? Friends, God has designed you to be turned outward, to think about people beyond yourself, to leave your parents, to be your own person, to live for something bigger than yourself. And it, when that happens, for every single one of us, it leaves us vulnerable and unsure. Vulnerable, unsure. And instead of asking in those moments, instead of using that as an opportunity to actually say, man, God, what is your will in this place for this year's school in Lexington, Virginia? We ask younger and older bro brother questions like, what will make me happy and what will keep me safe? And then we throw religion on top of it and wonder why we don't seem to be at peace. But simply, we can't help but be turned outward by God, but far too often we respond to the gracious move of God by rebranding our childish inward focus and calling it things like self-sufficient or career-minded or whatever rebranding you might want. At the end of the day, I think David Foster Wallace, a writer who is by no means a Christian, I think he articulates the outcome as well as anyone when he writes that if you're automatically sure that you know what reality is and who and what is really important, then you, like me, will probably not consider possibilities that are not pointless and annoying. But friends, God is inviting us to something different, to something bigger. And it might feel like judgment at first, but I am telling you it is grace from beginning to end. Let me just close by how this has looked in my life. During my college experience, I somehow found a way at different points to live as both brothers, an impressive feat that I do not encourage you to repeat. I started out going head first into the uh, party culture and that I ended up being a young life leader and going to seminary. To tell you what it was like, I was asked to be the rush chair my sophomore year of my fraternity and I did such a bad job because I had found Jesus the summer before. That fraternity no longer exists. <laughs> That's a true story. If you're a Pi Cap Alpha, look up what the beta chapter is. They're not there anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. But here's the deal. Neither one was good. Neither one was healthy. I was trying to figure it out all on my own. And as I did it, I couldn't help but take what I practiced in college, the younger son, the older son, I couldn't help but take it right into adulthood. I became a person who did the right thing because I thought it would lead to me having a good life. 
But to do that without God is a burden that no one can handle. And so at night, what I did was I numbed it the way that I had learned to numb it as a younger son, with a lot of alcohol. A lot of alcohol. And I did that for many years. And then all of a sudden, I was 33 years old, and my wife was out of town, and I was home with my two young sons, and I did as I normally did at night after spending a whole day doing good things. Because I knew they were good, and people thought they were good. And then when I was overwhelmed with it, I did what I normally did, and I had four or five beers by myself. And I went, and I got in the shower, and I felt this sense of shame and, and guilt because my life was supposed to have lots of meaning, and it didn't feel like it. And in this moment when I was in the shower, I heard the judging grace of God. And I'm not someone that thinks that they can hear God very often, but that's the only way I know how to describe it. And it said something like this, as clear as day, Drew, you believe in God's promises, but you do not live as if they are true. Your life looks good, but you know it is dead. And I'm inviting you to life. Real life. Friends, that's the last day I ever drank, and it's the day I finished going through puberty. And I began to wrestle, not with the things of children, but the things of God. And life is hard. If you don't think life's hard, you haven't lived long enough. And my journey has not been linear or full of ease and joy, but it has real meaning, purpose, Joy. And your time in college, like nearly no other time in your life, is an opportunity to make good habits. To explore what meaning might look like framed by the gospel. My favorite verse in all of scripture is Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ set you free. My prayer for you is you might believe that it's true. And with all your energy, with all your anxiety, with all your hope, you might ask, what's God's will for me? And know that it will be one of meaning, purpose, and joy. Will you pray with me? Lord God, you are a God of grace from beginning to end. And so you do not leave us alone. You have designed us, as St. Augustine said, for yourself, and we are restless until we find you. And so each of us, in our own way, have begun to wonder, what is our purpose? What is our meaning? We have felt a pull to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And yet for each of us, that can make us feel vulnerable. To leave one life and to begin another is never easy, and it is not possible without you. And so God, we confess that too often we have settled to be a younger or older brother, to go out on our own, or to find the safety of just doing what's expected. But God, I pray that for each of us, 
we might use the opportunity of today and into tomorrow to believe that it is for freedom that you have set us free and that we can be people of purpose and meaning right where we are because of your grace. We pray these things in Christ. Amen.